I want to tell you a story this morning. It's the story of a, of a guy named Tony. Um, Tony. Tony changed my perspective on life. The first time I met Tony, he was high. He'd been smoking some stuff that uh, really was some, as he would say, some good stuff, man. All right? And uh, while he was high, he showed up at church. He slipped in on the back row. It was interesting because I, I, when I saw him from the front where I was, and he came in, I, it was one of those where you knew he was a guest. <laughs> his, hair was, his hair was matted and dirty. His clothes were smelling. Um, and, he, and he slid in on the back row. It was interesting to watch because I was anticipating some of the saints in the church to reject him. But what I saw was some of the saints of the church embracing. And he came back the next week and then the next week. And about the fourth or fifth time that he came, I can't remember exactly, at the close of a service, he, he walked to the front and he knelt at an altar and he gave his heart to Jesus. And that group of saints that had surrounded him, they were, they were awesome. They, they were so excited for what had happened in Tony's life. And, uh, and I watched him. I watched him change the way he, he walked. I, I watched him change the way he acted. I, I watched all this growth in his life. And so I was a little surprised one day when I, when I looked down at my calendar and saw that he had made an appointment to come in and talk with me. And so Tony, uh, when he came in, I looked and I said, Tony, man, I'm so proud of you. You are doing great. He said, yeah, Pastor. Uh, after those guys at the church went home and we flushed about $300 worth of grass down the toilet, I went, grass, $300? Yeah, yeah, that kind of grass. Oh, okay, all right, Pastor. I, I realize this is an old story, y'all. Some of y'all got another word for that stuff now, all right? But, uh, but as, he, as he's telling me, he said, you know, I, I just, I, I, know, I know that I'm different. And I said, that is so good. I said, now, can you tell me, why are you here to see me? He said, well, I have a question. You know, I, I've been coming to church here. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm, I've got these people who are surrounding me. And, and so I, I really, I just, I need to know because um, this has kind of been bugging me. I said, well, wh what is it? He says, well, what do Christians do for fun? I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, it's like this, Pastor. He said, you know, said in my old life, I knew how to have fun, all right? If you had some really good stuff and you got some good beer and you got a good party, then you got a good time. He said, but now I'm looking around and y'all don't drink and you don't smoke the stuff and your parties are kind of drab. I just have to tell you right now, they're not the same. And, and, and so I, I, I came and, and, and you know, I, I've been trying to figure it out. How do I have fun? And, and you know, I grew up in the church, right? And so I'm like, well, you know, we got a softball team. He's like, pastor, I, I've been smoking two packs a day forever. I, there's no way I'm playing softball. I said, well, if you can't run to first base, and I'm guessing basketball's out too. Oh, yeah, Pastor, I can't, I can't do that, all right? Uh, and, 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 I, and I'm like, well, okay. Um, well, you know, uh, we got some Sunday school class parties. We could go to those. And he said, well, no, Pastor, I tried one of those. It really, I have never been as bored in my life as I was at that party, all right? He said, and I just, I'm just trying to figure out, now that I'm a believer in Jesus, now that I'm a, now that I'm a Christian, I just need to know what what do I do? How do I do this? How do I live this new life? And, and over the years, I've thought about Tony, and, and I've, I've heard his question asked time and time again. I've heard it asked by people who are, who are considering faith. I, I've heard it asked by people who are bored with their faith. I've heard it, I've heard it asked by people who are cynical about other people's faith. 
What, what does it mean to really live as a follower of Jesus? I mean, we hear that. I mean, is it, is it enough that you hear some preacher talk or you hear some podcast or, or somewhere you bow a knee and you say to Jesus, hey, come into my life. What, what does it mean for him to really take control of your life? That's part of what we're talking about with this series called Repurposed. Because in repurposing our lives to go from where we are or where we were to where God wants us to be, to live into who he really created us to be, there has to be a sense that, that now we know what to do. But the problem is everybody has an expectation. Everybody has a way of, of saying this is what Christians ought to look like. And to be honest with you, some of them are pretty scary. I mean, you kind of look at it and you think, no, that's what I, no, 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 no. That's, and, and so that we have people who are, well, they're kind of like the, the, the young lady that I was talking to a few weeks ago who's in her late 20s, early 30s. Um, we were in a conversation, actually. She, she, was, she was giving a bid to do some work at our house with the company that she works for. She's the salesperson. And as we were talking, she found out I was a pastor. Now, you need to know, when, when I'm dealing with salespeople, I don't usually tell them that I'm a pastor, okay? It's not because I'm ashamed. It's because of what they do. They change automatically. You know? It's like even if I'm on an airplane, someone says, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a communicator. <laughs> really? Yeah, I talk to people. I try to help people. Because if I say, hey, I'm a pastor, then some, first of all, they move, okay? They just kind of slide over in the seat. If they got the window seat, they're just glued to the window the rest of the flight, all right? Or if it's business people, they think, oh, okay, I got to watch this guy, right? And, and, and so I, I'm always a little hesitant, and, but the more the conversation went on, I, I, I realized, okay, I, I, it's okay. I, I said, well, I'm, I'm the pastor over at Eastside Church. And she said, uh, she said, oh, she said, that's nice. And this is a direct quote. I used to go to church. I was raised in church until I was about 19. And then I looked around at my church and my church friends. And then I looked at my school and my school friends and my college friends. And I realized something. We were all living the same way except on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, my college friends would dress up and go to church and pretend they were really nice people. But they were getting as plastered as the rest of us on the weekend. And, 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 I'm, and I'm just realized that 19, like, what difference does being a Christian make? If everybody's doing the same thing, if everybody's after the same goals, I mean, they're all trying to, they're all trying to make the money and to have the dream and to, and to do the thing. And, you know, and, and why, why, why should I even bother? Now, I'll be honest. It's at that point she had me. Because <laughs> I looked at her and I said, hey, you know what? I agree with you 100%. That knocked her socks off. Because I'm like, you know what? I, I, I really believe you're right. I really believe that for most of us, for most people who fill the chairs at churches around central Indiana, around the nation, there are people who quite honestly are no different than the people around them come Monday. And, and for most of my life and most of my ministry, you've got to know that's kind of bothered me. It bothers me that, that, that church has become a subculture. It bothers me that people have, have begun to act one way in one setting and another way in another setting. Because what I think really is the thing that will feed the hunger of the world around us right now is a group of people who are so committed to Jesus Christ that living for him just comes out of who they are. 
and not out of something they put on. It, it comes out of the way their insides function. Unlike that microphone that's doing that weird stuff right now. And I, and I believe that, that what God is calling all of us to do is to be people who've been repurposed in order to be fruitful. And being fruitful means being whole. Being fruitful means being authentic. Being fruitful means being people who quit playing church and quit playing the game and start living out of this relationship with Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was fighting for that when he wrote back to the churches in this place called Galatia in the first century. He was fighting for that with people who had come to faith in Jesus Christ, who had no background in Judaism, no background in the Hebrew faith, and they had come to find Jesus could heal them, and Jesus could put their brokenness together, and Jesus was real, and Jesus was authentic, and he was teaching them how to live. And then people came along and said, no, 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 you, you're not doing it right. You have to do it this way, and you have to follow these rules and these regulations. And, and they took them from being people who were authentically engaged with Jesus in everyday life to people who were suddenly being religious so that they could get the approval of people who were religious. <laughs> and so Paul writes the letter that we've been studying the last month. And, and in that letter, he, he reaches a place where he finally answers Tony's question, where he finally answers the question that this young lady was asking me a few weeks ago. It, 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 it's the answer of, of what is it? How do I live this Christian life? What, what does it mean to be authentic? What does it mean to live the way God created me to live and not be in rebellion against him? And, and when he does it, well, let me, let me read it for you. From, from Galatians chapter five, I'm, I'm gonna start reading at verse 16, if you have a Bible that you brought with you, you can follow with me. If you would like a Bible in the, in the racks on the chairs there where you're sitting, if you're on campus, there is a Bible. It's our gift to you. You can have it. Um, or if you just want to watch on the screens, um, you, can, you can read along with me or on your electronic device. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul's talking. But I say, here's the way you do this. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So basically, Paul steps into this, this discussion and says, listen... The way you live out this Christian life 
is that you give up control. The way you live out this Christian life is you let God put his spirit inside of you and you walk by the spirit. And you don't walk by your own human desires. Now, now I want you to understand, being a human being is not a bad thing. You were made in the image of God. But inside of you, there are, there are two conflicting values. This is what the scripture teaches us. First of all, that when God made humanity, God breathed life into all of us and gave a part of his spirit. That's why it says we were made in the image of God. But then there was a rebellion. Adam and Eve, you know the story, chose to do what they were asked not to do. And in that rebellion, all humanity since that time has lived in this dichotomy. There's one part of me that is made in the image of God. There's another part of me that wants to do what I want to do regardless of what God wants me to do. There's a part of me that wants to serve me. And so I grew up in a world where we took this passage. My grandmother was famous for this. She's with Jesus now. Thank you. All right. She loved the Lord. The Lord loves her. They're having a great time in heaven. My, my four foot ten grandma, if you got into any of that list of the flesh, you were in deep weeds. I'm just telling you, because it starts, I mean, come on now, sexual immorality, you know, all of that lust. All that. But, but you know what it also goes down to? It goes down to divisions and dissension. And in the, see, in the church, we all want to make a big deal about the orgies. You, you, you read that list. Man, don't be involved in the sex part of that. And then we just all want to talk about each other and gossip. And the fact is, Paul puts them in the same bucket. He says, hey, you know what? You, you, you want to live by the flesh? Then, then, then you don't, you're not a part of these things. Now, here's why I'm telling you that. Because I think the way Paul, I, Paul puts this together is huge. Because what he's doing is he's actually, it's not about the list. The list is an example. The list is the result. And it's the result of, of simply these two principles. The first one is this. The desires of the flesh, what he called that part of you that wants to do what you want to do, they are all self-centered and they're focused on gratification. Look at every one of those. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife. All of that stuff he lists. And by the way, and, and the great phrases, look what he says. I, I love it. The last, and things like these. <laughs> In other words, this is not everything. These are just some of the things that I'm telling you about. Rivalries, fits of anger, all, all that. What, what, what he's saying is, look, at the core of every one of those, there's one thing that's the same. Every one of those things is self-centered and focused on gratification. Every one of those things he lists as being a part of what he calls the flesh, every part of that is focused on me. It's like me. It's like we all got stuck at two years old. It's all about me. It's all about mine. I want, my, my, my mother used to sing a stupid song that I thought she wrote. Because she wrote weird songs. But, and, and he used to sing them to my brothers and I when we were little. But, but, but this one I actually found out is actually a recorded song. You can actually Google it. Here, here's the lyric. It goes like this. I love myself. I love me so. I took myself to the picture show. I wrapped my arms around my waist. I got so fresh I slapped my face. She'd do that and I'd be like, what in the world are you talking about? 
It's, it's a lifestyle where everything's about you, what you want. It's gratification. We live in a culture right now that idolizes self-gratification. And what, what Paul's saying to the church in Galatia is, listen, if you want to walk by the Spirit of God, if you want to do what God created you to do, you've got this, this dichotomy between you. And so on the one hand, yeah, that's who you think you want to be. But Jesus came to show you something else. He came to show you who you were really made to be. You were really made to be in the image of God. And when you're made to be in the image of God, you're made, you're made to be whole. And, and, and what happens is then your life, you, you live by, by what Paul refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. So if the Spirit is at work in you, then these things should be a part of you. And the fruit of the Spirit, they're all God, God-centered. And the focus is on other people. See, see the, 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 the desires of that one part of you is to take care of yourself, but the, but the part of you that was made in the image of God, that's centered on God. That's why some of you, you, you sense something that God may want to do in your life, and you've got this emptiness because, listen, that, that way of all being about yourself, sooner or later, it leads to emptiness. That's what my friend Tony found out. But then when he made this commitment to, to, to be a follower of Jesus, to walk by the spirit of Jesus, then, 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 then he didn't know what to do next. And that's kind of where a lot of us are right now. We, we said, okay, preacher, I believe you. I, 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 need to, I need to let Jesus in my life. But what do I do if I let him in my life? Well, here's what Paul says. Look, but the fruit of the spirit, the result of Jesus living your life, is love. Now, in most of your English versions, it's like this, is love, joy, peace, patience. But, but if you'll look in the footnotes, you'll discover that, that there's an alternate translation that goes like this. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And love is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And here's the key point. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And they now live with Jesus in control. That's what it means to live with walking by the spirit of Jesus. And most of you, as we took communion earlier, you know or remember the story of Jesus' crucifixion, how he was hung on a cross and how he died and and you know that there were Roman guards who were at the foot of the cross. And for most of you, and, and, and for me, for many years, I always thought, oh, yeah, you know, they were afraid Jesus' followers were going to re revolt. And so they, they put these guards around the cross to protect Jesus. No, they put guards at the bottom of every cross where they crucified somebody. Not just Jesus. And they put the guards at the foot of the cross because their design was for crucifixion to be the most horrible, painful, slow death anybody would ever experience. And they knew that when human beings see that kind of pain, when they see that, that there's something on that says, no, no, get, get, that, get that body off that cross. Get that guy off of that cross. He's in pain. Let's help him. And the Roman guards were there to keep people from taking the, taking the person being crucified off the cross. And you say, Pastor, why, why is that a crucial point to this thing between the two ways of living, between being 
you know, focused on the flesh and focused on myself or, or living by this spirit of God at work in me and the image of God. It, it's for this reason, guys. It, it's for this reason, real simple. See, the reason a lot of us have trouble actually walking by the spirit, actually being people of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and all those things is because we say, like Tony, I know what I'm not supposed to do, and I've given it to Jesus, and I'm crucifying it with him. But see, that's the thing. Then we stand there, and we look at it, and we walk back up and say, you know what, let me, let me take that down off the cross a little bit. Let, let, let me, I, I crucified my lust for pornography. I, I crucified that person I was having an affair with. I crucified my gossip and tongue. I crucified that stuff that I've done to steal from people. I've crucified my, my drunkenness and my partying. I, I'm not doing that anymore. But boy, sometimes I sure miss it. And we stand at the foot of the cross where we've crucified things. And we go and we say, you know what, let me, let me take some of that back down. Let me just, let me just have a little of that. I, I won't do the whole thing, Jesus. I'm just going to do a little bit of it. And we end up divided. We end up in pain. We end up broken. And you see, what Paul's trying to teach us, what I believe Jesus is trying to, to do in the work of the church right now, in the days post-pandemic, in the days reeling from a natural disaster, in the days of unbelievably partisan political stuff, I, I, I believe what, what Jesus is trying to teach us is that, you know what, I made you to be whole. And, and, and when you've got these two things fighting inside of you, you you're never going to find the wholeness when you've got these two things fighting inside of you, you're, you're never going to be whole. So what I need you to do is to, is to crucify the past and leave it crucified. And what I need you to do is to embrace Jesus living inside of you and let him show you day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour, how to live. See, in the church, some of you know this. Some of you are going, no, Pastor, I don't, I've never seen this before. But, but for some of us, we've watched in the church as people have taken the spirit of God that is meant to be an ongoing, present reality of Jesus in your life, shaping you, molding you, growing you into the image. you. And we've turned the Holy Spirit into some kind of mystical fog that just kind of sweeps over people. No, 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 no. The Spirit of God isn't about sweeping over you. The Spirit of God is about living inside of you. And living inside of you, not so you have these momentary experiences, but so you find this wholeness of life. And so when you get things like what Tony was talking about, how do I live it? You know, I think sometimes part of the reason that, that, that people have the reaction that, young lady had about when she was 19 and she decided everybody else was just living like everybody else so why should I mess with church is because we have failed to understand the wholeness and there's some practical stuff about wholeness and so this morning I, I have some friends who are here who do one of the most practical ministries I've ever seen about wholeness and I'm going to ask them to join me and help me tell you a little bit about wholeness. Now, this, you, you've already seen him. His name is Mike Webb. 
And uh, where you at there? Mike and Heather Webb. Mike was up here on the vocal team. I, I need you to know he, he's actually Dr. Michael Webb, but he is not a physician. Do not ask him for a prescription or anything like that. Uh, his doctorate is in missiology. And uh, he and his wife, Heather, are the executive directors of Children of Promise. And uh, I'm going to ask them to have a seat here. And um, as the executive directors, now before that, you were 20 years missionaries, um, uh, regional coordinators for the continent of Africa for the Church of God uh, when I first met you uh, in the Ivory Coast. But, but you are ahead now of an organization called Children of Promise. Um, and it's the 30th anniversary of, of Children of Promise. Uh, started 19, what, 92? 1992. Um, and, and so I'm just, first of all, let me just tell you, Mike is my new hero. Uh, Mike completed an Ironman yesterday. Yeah, an Ironman, all right? <laughs> 70 miles, is that, that the whole? 70.3. 70.3 miles, all right? Yes, yeah. I earned every point of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, so swimming, biking, running. Uh, earlier this year, you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. In Africa, uh, along with uh, some other people, you, you dragged a few people with you, or they dragged you, something like that. Oh, I dragged them. You dragged them. Oh, yeah, right. That's your story, and you're sticking to it, right? right. Um, and and, and I, I know that that has all been done as a part of your 30th anniversary. Pe people have been sponsoring you uh, to raise money for, for the children of promise. Uh, but what else has God been doing? He Heather, I, I, you guys... It's the 30th, 30th birthday party, right? So, so what's been going on? What have you seen God do? We've been so excited to see how God has raised up new people to dig deep with us and challenged people who have been walking with us for a long time to dig deeper with us. Um, we started celebrating our 30th birthday last November and we're going through this full year. And one of the things that we really wanted to do was have 300 new children sponsored. Well, we, are, we still have, what, three, two months three months left of the year, and we've already sponsored over 530 new children in this period of time. That, so we're just, that's amazing. it's amazing. That is amazing. Uh, really amazing. And, and that's on top of before then, you had like 4,500. Right. And I've been telling people for years, oh, they sponsor 5,000 kids. Well, now I'm telling the truth, okay? <laughs> um, it, it was actually 4,500. It was, a, you know, it got expanded there in my yeah. excitement. Um, but, but now... But now you're at, at close to 5,000 yeah. kids. Mm -hmm. What else have you seen? Um, we've seen people digging in deeper with us in a couple of ways. Through our GAP Fund, which is a way to help sponsored kids when you're not able to make a sponsorship commitment. We've seen people um, coming alongside with us with our advocates training so that they can be well-versed and advocate for Children of Promise in their communities, in their churches. Um, we're Now that the pandemic is... Um, Settling, kind of, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, we have people traveling with us all the time, and so um, just all of these ways that people are digging in deep with us. So you know, we've been talking about wholeness, or I have uh, for a few minutes. You guys have been talking about wholeness for for a, a long time, and mm -hmm. uh, that's part of your your thing. And and I know that you've got child sponsorship. At, what is it, Mike? Like thirty thirty two dollars thirty two dollars a month. You can you can sponsor a child and and help them find wholeness, but you have a system for how that happens. Um, what, what, is, what is child sponsorship? How does that help us kind of live in step with the spirit? In, in, in you guys talk about something called a four core, or yeah, core four, four, core four, something like that? 
Yeah, so $32 a month, um, people here in the United States, and actually we have sponsors in other parts of the world as well, but they send that donation to us on behalf of a child who's sponsored in one of the 31 countries where uh, there are programs uh, at work. And um, basically, it means that those resources that we have, uh, thankfully here in the United States, an abundance of resources, that we can allocate those to a vulnerable population, to children who are living in poverty in those places and who don't always have a meal to eat, don't always have op, uh, access to education or healthcare or things like that. And um, so part of, for us, walking in step with the Spirit being uh, all about making wholeness possible, it's the love of Christ in us and through us compelling us to make wholeness a possibility for those kids. And the core four just means that those resources through sponsorship are used to make sure that they have adequate food to eat. Um, so nutrition is the first of the core four, making sure that they're in school um, and have access to quality education, um, whether it's school fees or school uniforms or school supplies, but education is the second of the core four. And then uh, access to health care, that they have medicines, that they have access through our emergency fund to procedures if they need them, but, um, and also hygiene items so that they can take good care of their bodies that, that God has blessed them with. Um, and then the fourth of the core four is spiritual nurture, spiritual discipleship. So something that's really unique and, is, and special about Children of Promise is that we don't have... Children of Promise offices in these countries around the world. We work through a network of congregations, Church of God congregations, and it's the leaders of those congregations, their lay leaders, their pastors, the parents, the community leaders, business leaders associated with the church who are receiving those resources from us and then taking care of the kids. So uh, we take a great deal of, of pride in that, that we're just building capacity in those local congregations to do ministry that they want to do so that the kids in their communities can experience wholeness. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that firsthand from my trips to Cote d'Ivoire with, um, with my daughter-in-law, who's a nurse, uh, Hannah, went, went with us, and you were opening a Children of Promise facility or a, or a connection in a church, I think in Platform, um, and um, and the little village there, and so she was helping you do physicals with each of those children, and 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 learn. And I, I remember her being so grateful for her nursing training at at Anderson University. Um, as I've as I've watched that, what what blows me away is the way that you guys are tag teamed in with national leaders, not, not just people from the United States who go in, although you do take people from the United States to help interview the children and do all of that, but, but it, it's really the, the, the boots on the ground are the, are the people that are from that country. And, and so one of the things that, that I know you use a phrase that, that I, I love, it's called locally shaped but globally supported. What, 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 is, what does that really mean for, for, for you to do that? This is something that makes Children of Promise unique and something that we really love, that we are dependent on our local leaders who are serving and leading Children of Promise in 31 countries. Um, they're indigenous leaders. They know their communities. They know the needs. They know the resources that are available. And so they're the ones who are shaping. They're, that's the locally shaped part. They're the ones who are shaping what Children of Promise looks like in their in their context. Um, they're the ones who are deciding what's the, what's the health 
healthiest food in our context that we can provide for the kids? In what way can we best come alongside these kids and make sure that they have a good education? Um, where's the best doctor that we can take them to? What ways do, uh, d what does it look like to disciple these kids in our context, in our culture, as we read scripture through our cultural lens? Um, so that's the locally shaped part. And then the globally supported is that we have people all over the globe who are making it possible for these resources to be provided for the kids. Well, guys, it's an honor to be your pastor. Um, to Mike, to hear you sing, which is a, a, in fact, first time I heard you sing was on Larry and Leanne's porch in, in Africa. And, and I'm like, I came home and said, uh, he needs to sing, okay? <laughs> um, and, and Heather, to have you and your wonderful administrative abilities and your heart and serving on our board of elders here at Eastside, I am so grateful for you guys. And you have your own story of wholeness because you, and I'm gonna tell it, okay? Sure. Because you were like Becky and I, when we were first married, we were told we couldn't have children. And then God blessed you after 10, 10 years of marriage, you were blessed with Maddie, okay? And you were just thankful, there's Maddie, right? And if we know Maddie, we thank God for Maddie, all right? But then God decided to give you another- Surprise! Surprise! <laughs> and so um, in your 40s, you became a solidly in our solidly 40s. in your 40s. Right? <laughs> we're not we're not talking 40, 41 41. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. You became brand new parents. Yes, we did. And you have Libby. Yep. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Joy. Elizabeth Joy, yep. Libby, who is how old right now? Five months old. Five months old. So y'all pray <laughs> that they get sleep. Okay. That's it. Would you help me thank Mike and Heather for being here with us today, guys? Thank you. So. So here's, here's what I want you to know. When, when you make this decision to walk by the Spirit, sometimes I have people say, oh, Pastor, you talk about all this stuff, but how do I do it? Well, here's, here's one way. It's just one. And if you listen to the Spirit of God in you, then I'm telling you there are other ways. Some of you know the ways because you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. And you know how he talks to you. You know how he communicates with you. Some of you are brand new in this journey. And some of you, some of you are looking and you're thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure I want to do that. But boy, that, that sure sounds better than, than what I'm doing right now. And if that's who you are today, I just want to let you know that part of you that says that's better than the way you're living now is exactly right. That's the part of you that God made. That's, that's the image of, of God at work in your life. It's actually, theologians call it the prevenient work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God already working in your heart even though you're not really ready to give him complete control yet. And what he's doing is he's talking to you. And he's saying to you, you know what? If you'll just listen to Jesus... If you'll just take all this stuff that, that you keep thinking is going to make you happy and it doesn't, then if you just take that and, and just crucify it and leave it there and then give me control of your life. And, and it could be something that starts as simple as sponsoring a child. I mean, come on. I've seen some of y'all's coffee drinking. I know how many Starbucks cups I see. And I'm just telling you right now, you can sponsor a child and help them whole for, if you'll give up one, just one of your Starbucks per week, I promise you, you will be able to sponsor a child. Now, I had somebody said that one time to somebody, and they said, that's fine, Pastor, I'll still have 10, okay? And I'm like, 10? Yeah, okay. What I'm saying is this, 
You listen to God's spirit talk to you about how he wants you. But it may not be children of promise. It, it may be something else in your world. It may be something else in your life. But, but here's what Paul invites us to. You see, a fruitful life, one that's been repurposed by choosing to walk with the spirit of God rather than one that's walking in its own fleshly desires. That fruitful life is the result, I love this, of keeping in step with the Spirit of God. The, the, the translation that I read for you when I read you the passage is really important because it does something that a lot of your Bibles might not do. You see, in the very first verse that I read for you, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, where, where Paul talks about, then I say to you, walk by the Spirit. Well, that word that's used there, what it really means is that you're letting the Spirit lead you. But then when he gets to the end of this passage and he says, so then I want you, I want you to be led by the Spirit. He, he doesn't say that again. What he says is, I, I, I want you to walk in step with the Spirit. And, and, and so it's a different Greek word than the first one. One means be led. The other means keep in step. And to keep in step with the Spirit means to be who he wants you to be, where he wants you to be, when he wants you to be there. He says it like this. If we say we live by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And keeping in step with the Spirit means finding the places where it's not about you, where it's all about God, and it's God-centered and other-focused instead of self-centered and gratification-focused. And my friends, if you'll live that way, I promise you, you will find more joy peace and patience and kindness and goodness and self-control than you're ever going to find anywhere else because you see the fruit of the spirit is love and love is joy peace patience kindness goodness and self-control and in that life there's nothing against that life it doesn't mean everything's be perfect but it means that in the midst of the storms you will find god next to you every time.